What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Carrera. Happy to be joined on this Victory Monday by your friend and mine, Vish Kumar. And what's up, Vish? What is up, Rob? It's been a week, but we're finally back and another Victory Monday. I was unfortunate that I was able to miss the Commander's Victory Monday, but I saw you held down the fort. You did what you did. You do what you always do. But I'm really glad to be back here um, after a really, really interesting performance um, and definitely one with a lot of things we can discuss against the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, how would, you went to India, so I'm glad you had a good trip. I missed you last week. I'm glad you're back in the saddle. Yeah, I'm back in the saddle, Um, kind of jet lagged. Watching the Commanders game in India was a very interesting experience. Um, I was watching it on my phone. I didn't take a computer there, so I was watching it on my phone um, with some Wi-Fi that was coming a little bit in and out. So I, I was kind of reverted to back in the day when me and my dad used to stream the Niners games on some illegal stream, you know, back in 2008, <laughs> 2009. And us, we were subjected to watching the pictures of the game sometimes rather than watching the game itself. And that happened a couple of times. But I was able to follow along and get a good idea of what went on in that game. Well, that is very cool. Glad you're back here. We've had another game since then, of course. Raiders, 49ers get the 37-34 win in overtime. Lot to break down. I was watching this game again. And I kind of want to start with Brock Purdy, if we could. I thought that Brock was not great for a lot of parts of this game, especially in the first half. I thought that he was kind of captain checkdown. He looked a little too eager to me to just get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. But then in the third quarter, the Niners got a penalty. It was a, it was actually a bogus holding penalty on George Kittle and it made it first in 20. And I almost think that that was kind of like a good thing Because then it was like, well, crap, we have to push the ball down the field. We have to be more aggressive. And immediately he chucks the ball to Juwan Jennings, 18 yards, basically all through the air. Niners eventually get the first down. I feel like that kind of snapped him out of it. And there were a couple times in the game where they had penalties that pushed him back. And he went right to Jennings right away. And he made up for all the yardage. And I actually thought from that point on, Brock was more in that kind of aggressive mindset. Yeah, I I was actually, it's funny you brought that up, but it was one of the things I wanted to talk about in this game. I thought if there was a game that we we could say Brock Purdy didn't play that well, it was this one. And I thought it was really cool that even with those moments of him not playing well, he was able to find, you know, something where he can play well for enough stretches of this game to win, right? Ultimately, he didn't play awful. He didn't throw the game away. He still, you know, found a way within what's, Playing, not playing well, given how he's played the last three or four games, he still mm-hmm. found a way to um, play well enough to win the game. And you're absolutely right, because he went a little bit cold. Um, I also thought he he was running out of the pocket a little bit early yes. at times. Um, that was just right, you know, a TV view. I haven't watched the All-22. Maybe those pockets were really collapsing. But to me... You know, Rob, when you and I talked two weeks ago about concerns with Brock Purdy and I talked about size, remember this Chris Sims quote, size is a skill. And it's that's where I think the size comes into play because he has a tendency to kind of escape out the back of the pocket and he's really quick footed. So he's usually able to get by people. But, you know, that's where in the NFL and in the playoffs to win these big games. And so far he's made big time throws, so you can't discredit him in any way. But As you're going to continue getting further, you're going to have to step up in the pocket with a lot of people around you um, in cold weather. uh, If you're in the AFC, but in the NFC also with pressure around you in your face, and you're going to have to throw the football over the top of people into tight windows. And I thought that was something that he hasn't really done because he doesn't seem to step up in the pocket that much. He seems to look to escape out the back. And so that would be the one thing that I noticed as well, as long along with the fact that, you know, he didn't play. Yeah, in the first half, he was not his aggressive self. I will mention on the first touchdown to Kittle, on the he drops back to pass and he spins out to his left for no reason. Like yeah. he could have just stepped up in the pocket. Now, look, he threw a touchdown on the play. It was actually a nice pass that he had to loft over the defense. But like that's an example of what you're talking about. There's no reason for him to spin out there at all. He wasn't even really under pressure. If he just steps up, it's fine. 
But, you know, again, like this is all it's seventh round right. rookie quarterback, right? This is all part of it. He's going to learn. And I think that part of what make makes Brock, you know, interesting and exciting and able to extend plays is, is that instinct to do that stuff. He just doesn't need to do it every time. Yeah. And I agree. Right. And so we we talked about the negative examples. I'm glad you brought up the positive example. Right. You have quick game called right out of the shotgun. He takes his one step. He looks up. The routes aren't available. You know, that's kind of a dead play. Usually these are the moments Niner fans have PTSD because you see Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> his feet start to get really skittish because mm-hmm. it's a clean pocket. You have still time and space to operate. But what what was called and what was open was not open right away. And now you have to do something. And that's where you see the best parts of Brock Purdy. His creativity is in, he's so instinctive. And he's just able to, you know, spin out the back of the pocket and make an incredible throw to the back corner of the end zone. Um, a certain someone called that a naked bootleg that, um, you know, was pretty funny to me. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, Who was that have, certain someone um, that was one David Lombardi who's right about everything. Right. Just ask him. He'll tell right. you all about it. Um Yeah, and I thought in the second half, we saw a much more aggressive Brock Purdy. Actually, 86% of Brock's passing yards in the game came after halftime. So he clearly was more aggressive in the second half. You'll love to see it. I thought that he was a little skittish. They drove down the field, and he got in the red zone, and he he just he wasn't quite himself. He he forced the ball, or he... uh, excuse me, underthrew a ball to Jawan Jennings. That should have been a touchdown where Jennings cooked the defender on a double move on third down. He had Kittle open on the left side. He threw it over the wrong shoulder to Kittle, or maybe he thought Kittle was going to break out, whatever, just not on the same page. And he just didn't look totally comfortable. And it's understandable game on the road, more hostile environment Mm -hmm. still, you know, he's barely started in the NFL. And I thought Kyle did a good job. Because on the next possession, what did he do? He started off with a screen pass right. to Ray Ray McLeod that right. was well blocked. And McLeod took it, I think it was 42 yards down the sideline. And I just thought that was such a smart play by Kyle. And Mark Sanchez actually said it on the broadcast too. Right. Just give your guy an easy layup, let him get some confidence. And I think it really helped. Yeah, that was their bailout play, right? And Shanahan seems to always have one to kind of get his quarterback back under control. That's why the God, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm banging on the guy, but that's why the Garoppolo after the interception stat used to always frustrate me because I felt like Shanahan after that was just manufacturing kind of the statistics <laughs> to make sure his quarterback didn't make another mistake. Man, not to bring him up, but to go back to Purdy, I think one thing that's really cool, right? You talked about the bailout play and you brought up Ray Ray McLeod before I move on with Purdy. We do got to mention he has been awesome. On offense, since Debo Samuel has been out and in the return game as well, the last three or four weeks. And knock on wood, he hasn't done the unthinkable yet um, in terms of fumbling, which was the one concern. So good for him, right? He rectified the one thing that we were all concerned about. And then he's been impactful both on offense and on special teams. But going back to Purdy, I think it's really cool to see kind of the relationship with him and Shanahan and how Shanahan calls the game. You can see shanahan tense up a little bit the way he did um in the little we got to see him with trey lance the way he always did with jimmy garoppolo the way he always Mm -hmm. did with brian hoyer nick mullins where he wants to like start managing him and like this is too much for him let me help him out let me not let him loose and then and then like the offense stalls a little bit and then he's and this this was the commander's game to me right right the best example of this and then he's like okay fine let loose and Purdy just lets loose and all of a sudden the offense is just clicking and it's just moving the ball with all on all cylinders. And it's like Shanahan's like, man, I don't have to manage this guy. And he's just calling everything and Purdy is executing everything. That's how it really feels to me. And I love that kind of relationship where it's like Shanahan himself is finding out like play by play, down by down, like, wow. I don't know if I can put, oh, I can put this on him. Oh, I can put this on him. And you can see the confidence that's growing, not just the football team, the confidence they have in Brock Purdy, but Shanahan's growing confidence in what he can expect Mm -hmm. of Brock Purdy. And I don't want to make it sound like we're pooping on Brock Purdy. Like, no, he responded when he needed to, right? At the end of that game, the 40, it's tied up. He gets the ball back with 408 left. They go right down the field, five plays, 75 yards. They stick it in the end zone, touchdown. Then the Raiders come back 
on, and I said this last night, and I'm saying it again, a mm -hmm. bogus review. The, no, the Devontae Adams play, the deep ball, that's not a catch. You didn't it think that was not, a catch? No, he never possesses the ball until after it hits the ground. He never has control of the ball until after he hit the ground. But whatever. Raiders they, go down the field. Okay, they, fine. I, they called it a catch on the field. Once yeah. they did that, I was like, okay, fine. I thought it was bogus. But anyway, the Raiders get the touchdown. Three plays, 75-yard touchdown. What does Brock do? He gets the ball back with a minute and 11 seconds left. They go right down the field again. Seven plays, 52 yards. Mm -hmm. Should have been the game-winning drive. Robbie Gold misses a 41-yard field goal. But that's not Brock's fault. Right. He When he got the ball and they needed drives, he went right down the field, answered the bell at the end of that game. Listen to the 49ers' last drives in the game. The last four in regulation and then overtime. Field goal. Field goal. Touchdown. Missed field goal. Field goal. Brock brought him down there, man, and got points when they needed it. So I don't want to sound like I'm pooping on Brock Purdy. He responded at the end of the game in a big way. And you heard Brandon Ayuk afterwards say, this guy showed us he's on another level. He is building right. the credibility in the locker room that Jimmy built in 2017 when he was leading the team mm -hmm. to late victories. And you can see that toughness and grit right all over him. Um, I, I thought one of the coolest plays he made while we're on complimenting him second play of the game max crosby absolutely whips mike mcclinchy i think on an inside <laughs> move um and i mean i don't have to say anything kyle shanahan said he's when he studied all the defensive players he thought that max crosby has been the second best defensive player in the nfl this year and brock purdy shook him out of his shoes he made him look funny couldn't get a hand on him and then he had the poise you know to go out to his right and then float one to kittle nice accurate catchable ball so that was a really nice play. Um, it's funny that you bring up to me like them bouncing back and all of this to me and how the offense is moving in rhythm because like Purdy is doing that right. And you mentioned Brandon Ayuk and his comments. Brandon Ayuk has been outstanding this entire season. I thought yesterday was kind of the game. I, You and I at the inception of this show talked about it a little with Brandon Ayuk where we see all the talent and you see the ability but it never seems to all materialize and manifest together in one where he has mm -hmm. a set of game, like a set of games or a cup or, a, you know, a stretch of downs where it's not just the ability is as good as he is. The production is also matching up to that ability because we see the ability and I, and a lot of people put it on the quarterback and that was part of it for sure. The other weapons on the team were part of it, but part of it was also on Ayuk. And yesterday was that moment, right, where that last drive down the stretch of the game, Purdy did get a little bit lucky with the one ball where mm -hmm. he got hit and it kind of floated up. It was a oh, not lucky. a little bit lucky, very lucky, hugely lucky. Yeah, it, Which, it, it it actually to me the ball kind of moved and was up in the air the same way as Stidham's game-ending pick was. Yep, the difference was Ayuk went up and made a play for him, and so Ayuk was obviously fantastic, and Purdy got a little bit lucky. But I actually want to go to a different point and angle with all of this right Ayuk is playing well Purdy is playing well David Lombardi to his credit now he's actually made one a uh, very very good point about this offense and how it's it's actually a kind of a passing offense and the more I see it especially with Purdy um I could never embrace it with Garoppolo even though Garoppolo was playing well because to me you can't have a passing offense when you have a guy that has a propensity to turn the football over the way he does it just doesn't make sense. And I always understood why Shanahan had to ultimately manage him. You just can't trust him to make enough good decisions um, in a football game. Um, and that was totally fine because they won so many games with that style. But we're seeing that extra unlock with Purdy because Shanahan seems to be more. Um, Chris Reitman said it perfectly. He's more willing to turn it loose with Purdy and they're willing to throw the ball. And it's it is kind of a passing offense. And it's funny because the metrics looks so similar when you look at Garoppolo and Purdy in a lot of ways, but the eye test feels so different on how efficient the offense is with Garoppolo. It felt so pained. It felt so hard for the offense to move the ball. I, I remember I even made the analogy that it's like an offense with, you know, it's an offense with five very good NBA players, but they all can only operate from the high post and play from the mid range. And so there's nothing else. And really a lot of people made the point to me that it was the quarterback, um, I still think that there is a lot of um, oh, carryover in the skill sets of the Niners' weapons, but we're seeing that 
changing quarterback does make a difference. But I say all of this to say, like, it is a passing offense. And to me, that's why we're seeing the efficiency. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey was awesome yesterday. But when you add Debo Samuel back to this equation, to me, when they're able to throw the ball first, mm -hmm. it's actually opening up their offense, which is so different because this offense has been relying so much on the run game to open things up the entire Shanahan tenure. Yeah, I agree, man. Pass, let it go. Let it go. The run game will be there when they need it. We don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Banks, who has a possible MCL sprain. We'll find out more later today when Kyle Shanahan meets the media. Daniel Brunskill, though, came in, played well, had a key block on a screen pass to Christian McCaffrey, where he goes like full Superman and just totally extends and gave McCaffrey just enough room before Christian absolutely steamrolled a Raiders defender right. on 30-yard line. One of the, my favorite plays of the game. Um, but I agree with you, man. Kyle, let go. Loosen the reins just a little bit here and let Brock throw the ball, chuck it down the field. And actually, like you mentioned Ray Ray McLeod earlier, Danny Gray lives and breathes. Yeah. Had a carry. I actually thought he could have broken it for more yards. He, he yeah. stayed outside. He should have gone inside Kittle's block, and it looked like it was set up for him. But I was like, who the hell is number six? What's what's happening? And then Danny Gray. Like, Kyle's been dialing up some stuff. They had a nice run to Ayuk, too. Another, right. like, end around, which I thought was set up for I more thought, yardage. When he was coming around, it's funny. Um they got like, I think 24 yards on that end around to Ayuk. But when he was coming around the convoy of blockers they had, I thought he was going to score. Yep. And when every time on the edge. And I, I don't know, I'm going to have to go back and watch that one on the all 22, but that was one when I watched that play. Um, I thought, man, if they had Debo Debo to scored on that play. I think it was Ray Ray that to me looked like he didn't quite finish his block, but I need to see the all 22. Right. Block. Right. Cause it's, it's also really hard to say. Cause Ayuk is really, really, really good with the ball in his hands, too. He's not mm -hmm. Nebo, but he's really, really good with the ball in his hands. So if he got 20 yards, you would have to think something went wrong and it wasn't him that. But it looked like it looked like they had it set up for a touchdown. I really appreciate, too, Mark Sanchez calling the game. Every time there was a play like that, he would go, oh, yeah, oh, oh. It's like, it gets you like excited. I kind of like Mark Sanchez. In the I love Sanchez on the call. He's like the new Romo. Yeah, Ro like Romo's gotten a little bit annoying now with all yeah. his gimpy excitement. Sanchez, it feels so genuine. I don't know. There's something with both of them, though, that's just like I'm really nerdy football guy, just excited <laughs> to watch this game. That's so much more fun to watch along with rather than the really like well-spoken, well-to-do, like well -to -do, like points laid out, like play-by-play right. -play person that just talks at you very like, I don't know. It almost feels a little arrogant because it feels like they're just telling you what's happening in the game rather than watching the game with you while Sanchez is like, yeah. oh, my God, this is so cool. He's watching it with you. You're right. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Um, so, yeah, 49ers offense, once again, 37 points. I mean, they reached 37 points routinely. One point I wanted to make is, you know, like sometimes your defense has games like this. So we're going to get to the D. But I just think it shows the evolution of the offense. Like this game happened, right? The Chiefs game happened earlier in the year and the offense just could not keep up against a defense in Kansas City that is not very good. But the offense just wasn't in a place yet where they could win that kind of game. Now they are. The run game blocking is better. Obviously, Brock Purdy has been a revelation. They're using Kittle more. They, this offense, this is a game they could not have won earlier this year. And the fact that they did shows the growth that the 49ers have had from the beginning of the season to now. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And I actually, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about this game and they're going to talk about the defense, rightfully so, right? It was another poor performance, the second one of the season from a defense. And I guess when we do talk about it, because I think we do put the historic label on this defense and they've deserved that distinction, right? Shutting out the yep. Saints, some of the performances versus Miami and Tampa Bay and all of that. But historic defenses can't have two stinkers that were this bad. I mean, other than the one goal line stop, they really could never find anything on defense until the end of the game. Like it felt like the Raiders always had an opportunity to move the ball. And, but you know, not to talk about that. I the point I really wanted to make. Apologies, Rob. There, I was going to start going on a long tangent about the defense, but I caught myself <laughs> pumping the brakes on yourself. I like right, it. right, right. But um, 
the the point is the I think it was nice because I wanted to see this kind of game for the offense because the offense is so comfortable playing with a lead, so mm-hmm. comfortable playing knowing that the defense is always gonna get the stop. I wanted to see how it would be when they had the pressure to score. And it was like the 2019 game in New Orleans in a completely different lens. Um, the 2019 game in New Orleans, obviously far more impressive, right? Hostile environment, great team, all of that. But we got to see the offense with the pressure to score. We got to see how Shanahan got really tricky, right? And was able to pull out all the stops to make the offense go in that game. In this game, we got to just see that they can execute, like just bread and butter, They can execute their offense when they have to. When they need plays, their quarterback is capable of making them. When they need uh, big plays, they have go-to guys, right? McCaffrey's a go-to guy. He's going to come through. He had the one big drop on the last drive, but he's coming through. Ayuk showed. Get him the ball when it counts. He comes through. Kittle's a stud still. Kittle's still that guy. He's still excellent. And, you know, I also was actually impressed with how the line held up for a majority of this game. You brought up Brunskill, which was impressive, right, with Banks. But I don't want to say his name because people really hate when we bring it up. But I thought Mike McGlinchey played a hell of a game against Max Crosby. Hell of a game. And so, I mean, the Raiders don't have the most special pass rush in the world. Max Crosby is a great player. But I thought the offensive line, which has played well, held up really well and showed you can pass protect when you have to drop your quarterback on the road. 35 times. That's not something the Niners ever want to do. And but they, by the way, Mike McGlinchey has broken ribs. <laughs> like, right, that, like, let's right. just not gloss over that. Right. He was facing a guy, Max Crosby, who basically lined up over him for the entire game. Didn't give up a sack, blocked well in the run game. Give him his flowers when he deserves his flowers. We love to pound him and God knows he deserves it sometimes. But you know what? He also deserves praise. So credit to Mike McGlinchey. That's a good shout out by you. You're right on that. Let's get to the defensive side of things because it wasn't pretty. Uh, As we know, 49ers D gave up 500 total yards in the game. That is a lot, 34 points. Rewatching the game, I feel a little better. The one thing that worries me is not the running game because Josh Jacobs is just really good. Like A lot of his runs were just him making people miss. And gaining yards. It wasn't like, oh, the Raiders were dominating the line of scrimmage. It was just that Josh Jacobs is really good. The thing that worries me in the passing game is it was all like chunk yardage. And guys were wide open. There were some contested catches, but a lot of it was not contested catches. That's what worries me for the 49ers defense is did Josh McDaniels crack the code a little bit? And can other teams repeat it? That's what I want to know going forward. So in terms of cracking the code first, schematically, look, the Niners defense is creative, but it's not like they do so many things that nobody in the NFL has seen. You know, they line up and they play cover three a lot and they rotate into cover three different ways. They'll play different versions of it. They'll also play a lot of quarters coverage. Um, They'll play man when they have to, and then they have a variety of pressures, sim pressures, all of this. But the point is, they're not do, like this. The core of the scheme is something the NFL has gone against for many years now. Right. It's the Seattle. Okay. So like in terms of cracking the code, a lot of people know, hey, against this defense, we're going to try and run all of these concepts. Now, the difficulty against the Niners defense is they are so well coached and they've played in together in this defense for so long. They know that this is how you're going to attack us. And yeah, there's no way you're going to attack us because we're ready for all of these things. And so that's where that's the entire chess match. So in terms of cracking the code, like, yeah, I I think McDaniels is probably one of the smarter offensive people in football. I always think like whenever I watch his offense that it looks, he always is finding ways to move the ball no matter what he has going on. And he did it with Stidham yesterday. So yeah, like if you want to say cracking the code, sure, I guess, he maybe probably found, I, I don't know this for sure because I haven't watched the film, but I, he might have found a couple more wrinkles that other people might not be able to find because he's a little smarter. Yeah, and then he's really good and really yeah, smart. There's a reason yeah. the Patriots keep hiring him back. <laughs> exactly. There you go. And Tom Brady respects the crap out of him and all of that. And yep. then their weapons, their weapons are really special. Really Rob. good. Like Adams is as good as any receiver in football. Renfro is really good. 
Waller is very good. And then Josh Jacobs is a top five running back in the NFL. So that's very good. And then their offensive line is not bad. It's not good. But Colton Miller is a very good left tackle. Um, And then across the board, it's pretty good. And I thought they played okay yesterday, actually. The Niners front has probably – that was probably one of their tougher matchups. They did a pretty good job on Bosa, too. They got – he still came through. They got – to sit in when they needed to multiple right, times right. at the end of that game. I want to get to this comment from Pizza Party watching on YouTube because I kind of agree. Fred Warner played way too wild and undisciplined. There were a lot of plays where he is flying in like way late. He crashed into Greenlaw, which on the play Greenlaw got hurt. That's Warner coming in late. Now, obviously, he doesn't mean to crash into his own guy, but he seems to do that a lot where he comes in really late to lay the hammer on people. Greenlaw took the brunt of it once on a play. He got hurt. He had that horrible face mask on Renfro, I think it was, on third and 13 when he was dead to yeah. right. So there was yeah. no reason and, for Fred Warner to come in like that. And then it led to the 60-yard. Yes, it led to the Devontae long Devontae Adams, Adams touchdown early in the yeah. third quarter. Like, Fred, what are you doing, man? It seems like when the Niners defense gets in trouble with Warner or with Hufanga, it's when they stop doing their job and try and do too much. Just do your damn job and things will be okay. Warner just was undisciplined for a lot of the day. And then Hufanga on that long touchdown, he breaks off of Adams and tries right. to, to hit Stidham. It's like, dude, there's three other guys near Stidham. Right. What are you doing? Just stop. So right. I, just, I thought that there were some issues there. And he he's going to get some criticism. The first touchdown, Mark Sanchez was wrong. It wasn't on him. Our friend, um, Rich, Madrid. Nations, Rich Madrid had a nice breakdown of it. I don't need to explain it here. I would just have you give more eyes to the tweet of Rich Madrid and please go follow him on Twitter. So he tweeted about it and he did a really nice breakdown of it. So it was on Diamador Lenore. But the yeah. second touchdown was on Hufanga. He they they call it plaster, not the coverage, but when the quarterback breaks the pocket typically because there's you can, you know start holding receivers and all of that once the quarterback's off the pocket out of the pocket. So when you're playing zone coverage, I think they're playing basically spot drop spot drop cover three on that down. Um when the quarterback breaks the po- pocket, the zone coverage just turns into man and you just find the nearest guy and you plaster him, meaning right. you get on top of him and you cover him. And that was Hufunga's job on Devontae Adams there. But he just and that's you know that's the good and the bad sometimes you have to live with Tufunga because yep. sometimes rather than doing you know what his technical job is which is you know how Tart and Ward played the safety position for so many years Hufanga just goes with what his brain tells him he's supposed to do and just goes and that leads to him intercepting a screen against the Rams on Sunday night football and taking it back for or Monday night football and taking it back for a touchdown which is unheard of right ridiculous play and then it leads to something like that where he doesn't even look for Adams he goes straight for Sidham and he he did absolutely talk about plaster he plastered I think Mark Sanchez made that joke he plastered um Jared Stidham um but of course that left Devontae Adams running all alone and Stidham found him Stidham made a couple of throws I I didn't know Stidham had that in him some of the throws he made yesterday but yeah so like I guess that happens and you're gonna have to live with that a little bit with Hufanga and he's also only 22 years old so right he's growing in his position and role so that's also part of all of this but you're right like in terms of the overall game I thought Lenore if we're talking about one particular player you talked about Warner for me it was Lenore he was the one guy I felt that looked a little bit out of his element a couple of times he had Josh Jacobs dead to right one-on-one. He's a guy that's been tackling very well this season. Uh, Josh not Jacobs, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, Josh Jacobs is a tough guy to bring down in the open field, but he Josh Jacobs made him look bad uh, yep. a couple of times. Like A couple of times. He didn't even put hands on him. And so he had that. And then, of course, the Devontae Adams controversial catch down the field. That one you can't really put on him. He played it about as good as you can play, and he actually turned and located the ball from a pretty funny body position. It was pretty coordinated play from Lenore to be able to get his hand on the ball. It was just yeah. ridiculous from Devonte Adams, but he would be the one player for me. If I had to highlight somebody that had a really rough game before we move off. I agree on Lenore, by the way, before we move off Warner though, I want to read this from CJ Leach. Fred Warner seems to get reckless when the D struggles as a way to overcome it. That's an interesting thing. I'd love to kind of go back and take a look at that because he does press at times. And that's does seem to be when he gets into trouble. Um, 
but I agree with you on Lenore. I thought he, he had a rough afternoon. Yesterday was the first time I missed Emmanuel Mosley a lot. Like mm-hmm. I thought the Niners defense did a great job of overcoming it until yesterday. I was like, man, it just seemed like every, whoever Lenore was closest to the Raiders were going, whether it was Renfro, whether it was one of their tight ends who now I can't even think of his name, whoever Murrow. Yeah. Like whoever it was, they were like, where's 38, where's 38, where's, where's Lenore, where's Lenore, where's Lenore. Um, and it, it hurt yesterday. Not going to lie. Now, like we said, the defense did lock it down later in the game, came up with some big, big turnovers when they needed to shout out Drake Jackson. Loved seeing him get the interception yeah. yesterday. I think Kerry Hyder tipped it. Uh, it was, was it Hyder or give? I can't remember who it was, but with the tip and then it falls right into him. And there's a great shot of him on the sidelines, explaining it to teammates. I don't know if you saw that vision. Yes. He's yes, like, yes. he's got his hands up and he's like, it's coming right down at me. Love to see him get a play. Cause he's, he's been around the ball all year long. And he was, he was uh, inactive against Washington because they wanted to load up on interior guys. So it was nice to see him back out there and he made a big play. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. And they did come through. Um, you talked also about your earlier point, right? And I, I wanted to go back to it, right? Because, yes, Drake Jackson making a play is really cool. Um, though it might be the least excited I've ever seen anybody about a high draft pick making a play. Um, it was just the normal excitement. Usually, you know, when a high draft pick does something, there's the added excitement. That was just my random observation. <laughs> you, you went back to, is this repeatable? For other teams right and we talked a little bit about the scheme with mcdaniels and all of that uh, the other part right i don't think it's repeatable because of the talent the raiders have but i also just think the niners defense overall was due for just a performance like this these things happen yeah um and i think you know going on the road in vegas new year's day i felt like they just were feeling themselves a little bit and just a little bit a step slow on the details. I thought the defense the entire game, um, it felt like, and this is where the, the reason I bring all of this up is because it goes back to that Fred Warner point that you were making, right? He presses. I feel like the entire defense was lacking a little bit of energy. They didn't feel like they wanted to get up to play for the Raiders without Carr. Not, not that they didn't play hard. They just weren't at their optimum focused, you know, energetic flying around selves the way you know they looked against Tampa Bay for example and when I see this happening to me when people say this about Fred Warner to me it's not really and as much like he's doing his job wrong necessarily I just feel like he puts so much pressure on himself as a leader of this football team that you can find you can see him pressing to give the energy to other players and you'll see him like when he makes a tackle get up and hype himself up and try and hype people up even more and it's like you can feel him pressing from that standpoint to me right like the defense's energy level is low it's my job to get everybody going it's my job for everybody to be hyped up and that's where to me you can feel that kind of pressing from Fred Warner and I thought that's all it was really yesterday. As good as McDaniels is, as good as those weapons are, to me it was just the Niners defense was just flat, right? They were just not 100% fully themselves, right? A lot of the things that happened in this game, you're right. They missed Emmanuel Mosley, and I think that's very cool. We're talking about a historic defense, and they could be that much better because they were missing a corner who was playing at a Pro Bowl level to start this season. So that blows your mind even. But forgetting all of that, like, the biggest thing is they just didn't have that, like, you know, like, we're on top of this. Like, we're going to come out, prove something. It just felt like this is the Raiders. This is Jared Stidham. They have nothing to play for. Yeah, Bosa literally said after the game, we underestimated Jared Stidham. He was specifically asked that question, and he was like, yeah, a little bit. And I think that's only natural. It was a perfect storm, like you said, New Year's Day, Jared Stidham. All that stuff. Bosa also said after the game, quote, we needed this as a defense. The NFL will humble you 100% of the time. I agree on both points you made on the defense, the overarching points. One, those all-time great historic defenses usually don't have multiple games like this in a season. You can have one. The 85 Bears defense got lit up by Dan Marino in the regular season. Like that, you know, that can happen. 2000 Ravens had one too. So, you know, let's not freak out about it. 
But yeah, it wasn't their best effort. And hopefully it's a wake up call. There's still plenty to play for next week because, and we can get into this, things kind of broke the 49ers way. Minnesota lost to Green Bay. That puts the Niners in the two seed because they have a better conference record than Minnesota. So if the Niners win next week, regardless of what happens with the Vikings, they are the two seed, which is great because it means an additional home game in the playoffs. If the Eagles lose to the Giants, which the Eagles have something to play for because they haven't locked up anything. If the Eagles lose and the 49ers win, the Niners get the one seed, right. Fish, and the bye. And I've been tweeting about it all morning. If Even without it, but definitely if the 49ers get the number one seed in the NFC with a third-string quarterback playing 30% coach of the games, of the coach of the year. Exactly. Give me a break with Brian Dayball sneaking into the playoffs. Great. Congratulations. That's awesome. Number one seed with three different quarterbacks playing, and the last one is the last pick in the draft. That's coach of the year right there. That I 100% agree. I think what he's done this year has been nothing short of exceptional. The way he's managed the season, the expectations, the defense, the quarterback situation, they still haven't, you know, they've had better luck with injuries than year past, but they had a stretch of time where it was as bad as ever with injuries. It's funny because that feels so long ago. Man, NFL season, especially once I started doing some content creation, it feels like every month of the season is its own season. (laughs) Definitely. But, I mean, you talk about the injuries. Like, let's go through some of the injuries that the 49ers have had. Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward. Obviously, that's a huge injury right there. Trey Trey Lance, Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo. Emmanuel Mosley. Emmanuel Mosley. Aaron Banks is down now. Kittle was not ready to start the year. Like, I mean, come on. People are like, oh, the 49ers roster is so loaded. They haven't had all their players every game. And Bosa missed a game, too. You're right. Like, Eric Armstead. What are we talking about here? Like the idea that you don't get any credit as for good coaching just because you have a roster with good players is absurd. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And he gets credit for putting the roster together. In fact, John Lynch, I also think executive of the year Um, in terms of every move he's made. Yep. Pretty much the last two off seasons look like home run, home run, home run. He is absolute. He's got the King Midas touch at the moment um, with everything he's doing. And let's hope that stays um, but absolutely, Rob, coach of the year. And one thing I wanted to mention going back to the Eagles Giants thing is that Gi- the Giants have nothing to play for mm-hmm. in terms of matchup with the two seed. Obviously, ideally, the ideal first round matchup for the 49ers is the Giants. I think they're going to be the oh, worst yeah. team in the playoffs. Um, I think most people would agree with that. Green Bay, I, I still think the Niners would obliterate um, Green Bay. I don't think a lot has changed. In that matchup, I was someone that was quite high on Green Bay. I thought they would be the one seed in the NFC again. I was wrong. Now, there's a lot about Green Bay that's better the last four weeks. They've won four in a row for obvious reasons. And I do think they're a tougher matchup for everybody else. For example, if Dallas got Green Bay in the first round, I think Dallas would lose. I think the Vikings would lose to Green Bay. But I think the Niners in Philadelphia will, you know, dominate. Green Bay and that's where I I don't really care second seed to third seed but the one seed to me is a little different so I made this big point and I thought it was going to be my most brilliant point of the season last year (laughs) and I thought with 17 games um and with only one team getting a buy in the playoffs there was going to be such a premium on the buy like if you got the buy in the home field the attrition of the NFL season your team was going to be so much more well-rested that it was going to be just a massive advantage, especially if you had an early buy and you had to play the 17 week season and then play through the playoffs, like bodies were going to break down. Well, Rob, completely wrong. I think three seed and three seed made it to the Super Bowl. Okay. Well, I'm going to try and make the sneak that point in again. I do think it would make (laughs) a massive difference, especially for the Niners with all the big bodies they have and how physical they play and how physical they are in the trenches. You give them a week to kind of rest and recoup and everybody get back together. And, you know, you give Debo Samuel, you give that knee and ankle an extra week to heal. I think it would be massive for the Niners. And I think Philadelphia, 
is really reeling and looking for the bye. They went through adversity kind of in this last part of the season while the Niners went through it early, and they've been dealing with some injuries, and boy, would they like to give Jalen Hurts another week uh, to get that much healthier and Lane Johnson another week to get healthier. So it, it really makes a difference, I think, for both of those teams. And I think Philadelphia needs it more. And I think the Giants, it'll be interesting to see what they do because they have nothing to play for. But boy, would they love to stick it to Philly and win that game and make Philly the second seed. Or- Dayball said that he's starting his guys. He said that this is that they're not, you know, packing it in by any stretch. So credit to him. By the way, oh, the Eagles, they have a pretty loaded roster, huh? Guess what? Yeah. They can't win a game with their backup quarterback. Okay. So don't give me this, oh, Kyle Shanahan is not coach of the year because they have a loaded roster. The Eagles can't win with their backup quarterback. The Niners are winning with their third string quarterback. And and their backup quarterback is a guy that, you know, you, me, and a lot of people would consider to be one of the best backup quarterbacks yep. in the league. I totally agree. Uh, so right now in the playoffs, the 49ers would play the Seahawks in the opening round. They have kicked the tar out of the Seahawks twice, once in Seattle. Uh, I'm, I'd be okay with that matchup in the first round. This is what I said on the Instant Reacts last night. Thinking about <coughs> Speaking of points that I think are brilliant. When I talk to you and to 49ers fans about the Niners, I'm like, hey, it's all house money. Brock's a seventh-round quarterback. You know, everything, let's just see where it goes. When I talk to anybody else about the 49ers, I'm like, who's beating us in the NFC? The Bucs? No. The Cowboys? No. Like, I'm super confident when I talk to anybody else. But, yeah, the Seahawks I would be okay with, although I'd much rather have had to play, like, the Commanders or the Giants in the opening round for sure. Um, So now I almost feel like it's number one seed or bust for the Niners. Cause I don't, I wouldn't love having to face like the Packers. If the Packers get in, I know the Niners have had success against them. I get it, but it's still Aaron Rodgers, And if he goes God mode, he that's, he's always capable of that. And you know, they've beaten Aaron Rodgers a lot in the playoffs. And I just, in the back of my mind, it's like, can you really yeah. beat him again? Are you really going to have success against him? Again? He's not going to get one more against right. him. So yeah, it makes me a little nervous. I, I And I wonder the same thing. And that's why Green Bay is always a little bit scary, even though you've seen the matchup, you've seen the story so many times over mm-hmm. again. You just know Rodgers need, just has one moment. You've seen it too many times with other teams, and you've, in fact, seen it a couple times against the 49ers too. But, Rob, I actually have to push back on what you said. I am a weekly viewer of you on the Up and Adams show. Um, well, by the way, shout out to you, Rob, you know, going on Kay Adams's show <laughs> very casually, you know, um, right. but I am a weekly viewer and I do have to say there were some few weeks in between where I would have loved for you to say the 49ers were going to beat everybody and the 49ers were the best team and they're kicking your team's ass. Yeah. And you were what? not saying that on the show. Yes, were- that's right. You're a hundred percent right. You want to know why? Cause they weren't playing as good as they're playing now. When they're bad, I say they're bad. And when they're good, I say they're good. You can't tell me that the 49ers are playing now or are playing, we're playing early no, in the season no, like no, they're playing. No, they're playing way not. better absolutely now. Not. Night and day. Yeah. Night and day difference. And whether you want to credit that to Brock Purdy or the running game, I tend to think it's the running game seemingly getting better. But yeah, like it's hard for a lot of people to grasp that. But like, Sometimes they play bad and it's okay to say it. And sometimes they play well and it's okay to say it. Like we've been saying the defense did not have their best game. Doesn't mean they're not a good defense. Just means yesterday they they didn't didn't play play well. well. Yeah. And I think a lot, and that, and that's why it's really interesting to me. Um, And I try to do this and I hope I do a good job of it, but I try to take as realistic a perspective when I talk about sports as I can. Cause I think sometimes people, start like get a little delusional about you know what's really going on and they kind of think as sports is this magical mystical world that really doesn't (laughs) have the same rules as real life apply to it and just like in real life in sports like every day you go to work like every show rob and i have here is not our best show or maybe maybe rob we're just that good and we have our best show (laughs) but no i'm joking i'm joking yeah every show we have is not our best show you're not always going to have your best performance. And that's what happens when you talk about the 49ers too. We have to react to what happens. They're going to have games where they play poorly. They're going to have games where they play well. And like Rob said, it's not going to be a like 
this is who they are. You know, it's not going to be a claim that's universal. You just put it on him. It's not a blanket statement, like mm-hmm. headline statement every week. It's just, this is what happened. And how does this relate to the bigger picture? And I think that's where it's interesting. Cause you know, to me, in a lot of ways, the Niners took a step forward yesterday in terms of answering certain questions I had in my head, because to me, I never have questions about this defense. Like even after yesterday, I know this, I know what this defense is going to be. I have faith in them. I've seen them so many times consistently play their best football when it counts against the best quarterbacks on the road at home. Doesn't matter. They always do this. Right. And you can say they needed their adversity, but I know they bounced back. They just showed after the Chiefs game, which was as bad as it gets. People question how elite they were. Did they just beat up on bad quarterbacks and bad teams? And they put together this unreal stretch where, you know, we're three straight games. They didn't allow a point in the second half. And <laughs> D'Amico Ryans was dominating. They shut out the Saints at home. So they did that. I still, you know, I thought Brock Purdy was playing the best quarterback. I still think he's playing the best quarterback that Shanahan has had played um, in San Francisco. But I still had these things in the back of my mind where, you know, you never really know whether somebody will react to those situations until you can see them react. And we got to see Purdy go through stretches of adversity in this game. We got to see the team go through stretches of adversity. We got to see Purdy go through, I thought, a really important up and down emotional role for him was taking them all the way down the field, Gold missing the field goal, Raiders getting the ball to start the half, Gibson then, of course, got the pick, but I felt like he was equipped to, if they needed him to make throws and Gibson didn't get the pick, he would have been able to do it. He seemed totally unfazed. He seemed to keep one cool emotion, and that's why he was able to recover and play well in a game that he also played poorly in. For stretches and so because of all of that I thought it actually answered questions Rob and I thought it made me more confident um in how the Niners will react because look the NFC isn't very good but it's not going to be smooth sailing to win a Super Bowl I totally agree you're not blowing everybody out by 30 points Bernie watching on Facebook said okay this was an ugly win but let it be known the 49ers as a team needed this for their confidence in Purdy you know I think that there are boxes that every quarterback has to check. And we started to talk about it with Trey Lance uh, and he was checking them off, uh, you know, in the preseason and stuff like that. And we were very happy about it. Once you get into the season, there's other boxes you have to check. Can you execute the offense? How do you do against the blitz? How do you do deciphering coverage? How do you do when you're behind? If you have to come back, how do you do after a turnover? All these things. And Brock is checking a lot of them. There are still more to go. I, I still don't think I, any quarterback, I would say, you need at least a full year of starting before you can even begin to say what they are. I've, I'm old enough to remember Josh Freeman having an awesome year with yes. the Buccaneers, and he stunk after that. So, like, it takes time to really know. But as we go along here, there are things you are watching for, and I think there are things that the players and the coaches are watching for as well, along with us. And yesterday was big for Brock. Yeah, and for me, I think the best way to describe that, because I think you're absolutely right, we don't know. Um, And I think a lot of people want to know, and they want to give their opinion as if they know. But the (laughs) reality is nobody knows. And the way I like to talk about it is, look, I don't know if he's the franchise quarterback. I don't know if he's the starter next year. I don't know if he's going to play great in the playoffs. We'll see him do all of those things. I think he has the ability to do all of those things. I think he has the ability to be their starting quarterback next year. We'll see about franchise quarterback. There's a lot more he has to prove for that, but I think he has the ability to start next year, play well in the playoffs, all of it, but we'll see if he actually does. But so far, so far what we have seen, which, you know, leads me to think he has the ability, but it doesn't ultimately, it's not going to be, because he's played well so far doesn't mean he's going to be great and going to start the next 10 years. But so far, he's been great. And we can talk about that. And that conversation doesn't have to be mixed with, well, he's the starter. He's the next Joe Montana. He's the next Brady. He's the next this. It's just he has been awesome so far. Not only has he been awesome from the standpoint of he's a seventh-round rookie, thrusted into a situation where a team is Super Bowl ready, they have Super Bowl expectations, and they need you to be up to snuff, not only, you know, buttoned up with your personality and how you handle yourself, because you're a quarterback of a team that's looking to win the Super Bowl, but also in terms of how you play within the offense, right? You can't be 
Zach Wilson making basic mistakes and making Mm -hmm. messing up the easy stuff. You have to do the easy stuff well already. That's what the team expects. And so he's doing all of those things. But also from the standpoint, he's played great of just what's available within the offense and what's not available within the offense and how can I elevate this team? He's done both, which is kind of unheard of. And it's really cool to see. And he's playing great. That's that's what he's doing. He's playing awesome so far. Yeah, I think sometimes we get caught into like finishing the thought. Brock Purdy's playing really great. And that means he should be the starting quarterback next season. Like, no, just full stop. Brock Purdy's playing great. And that's good. I want to see how things go when he doesn't sort of get all the bounces. And I think that was part of the rewarding thing yesterday was that like he did throw an interception. Uh, So, you know, because a lot of times before that, those had been dropped. Right. Well, it wasn't dropped yesterday. Now the the play to Ayuk at the end that was a huge stroke of luck. Yeah. I mean, you could argue this game turned on two balls that were fluttering in the air. One was caught by Ayuk, which I will say, Brock said after the game he was going for Kittle on that play. Kittle is wide open yeah. on yeah. that play. He's behind everybody. Um, but doesn't matter. The ball got you know tipped up, whatever. But Ayuk caught it, and for the Raiders, it was intercepted. Not only was it intercepted, it was almost returned for a touchdown. Michelle Majuk's big bet going into that game was defensive touchdown. It was plus 500. Oh, she was like, uh, it's going to happen. Right uh, after Gibson goes out of bounds, she texted me like, that was my defensive touchdown. It would have been pretty brutal. sweet. That is brutal. So, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that had Niners minus nine and a half. I had and... Niners minus six, and I still lost. Yeah. Oh, then you would have been rooting for that de- defensive touchdown. Uh, well, I don't think they kick the extra point anymore. They used to. Oh, right. They They stopped doing it. Uh, So I I would have pushed at best. But yeah. Uh, By the way, I think the Niners are 13 point favorites next week against Arizona. Are you gambling all the Nick Bosa money? Is that what it is? Well, you know, I got the Nick Bosa money. I had the Ravens over nine and a half. So I, uh, I hit that one too. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a decent you, year. Rob, why aren't you posting about this? They should, they should be sponsoring your bet. <laughs> I don't trust me. Probably I have a lot more stats. losses. I also had Trey Lance for MVP. So, you know, these are, you know, nobody bats a thousand as they say. Is there I mean, any? Yeah. I was going to say, I, I feel like, you know, the last point about the game, the only thing we missed is Christian McCaffrey is terrific. But the thing with McCaffrey is I feel like you and I have just every Monday we come in here and there's about five minutes we spend going, Oh my God, he's so good. (laughs) I mean, he had on the first touchdown drive, he had like 60 of the 65 yards on the drive and he had almost 200 total yards of offense in the game. He scored a touchdown in five straight games. F them picks, man. He's been, Everything you could possibly have imagined he could be and more. And yeah. it's yeah. he's not in the Pro Bowl, though. He's not a Pro Bowler somehow. He's not Please going ex- to the Pro Bowl anyway. Oh, bold claim by you. But I mean, like, think about how absurd that is. That I'm sorry, man. Tony Pollard over Christian McCaffrey? No. And Pollard's had a good year, but not a year that Christian McCaffrey's had. I absolutely agree. And then the last thing, I do you... Do you want to give kind of our initial takes? Here we are. Because, I mean, people are talking about it already. Um, It's not really relevant to today. But do you want to give, you know, January 2nd, start of 2023. By the way, Happy New Year, Rob. But um, do you want to give our kind of takes of where we stand with right now the Purdy Lance kind of entire dynamic and what we expect to see moving forward? Okay, well, one thing we should get into, uh, and I got into it a little last night and everybody got mad at me, but I really want to talk with you about this because Lance had a second surgery. Yeah. He had a second surgery, and, you know, as always, the 49ers, oh, it's fine. He'll be back for OTAs. Everything's cool. Just to remove hardware, no big deal. All I'm going to say is this, Fish. It was a second surgery. It was unplanned. Now he's back on crutches. I tweeted at the time. I didn't think it was a good sign for Trey Lance. And I'm a little nervous. I'm definitely a little nervous. And the only minor surgery is surgery on somebody else. All right. Anytime they cut your body open and, you know, introduce the risk of infection and all that stuff, it's not great. No, I, and I agree with, I agree with both. I agree with you first. I, I think that a lot of people are kind of diminishing the severity of, any surgery in general, there's a reason people actively try and avoid 
getting surgery. It's yep. not good to obviously cut your body open, whatever. And then the second part of it is a lot of the people who are medical professionals and are more, much more, far more well-versed in the subject than me, who I know nothing. Um, they, they say that, you know, the second surgery, it's sometimes part of it. The hardware must've been causing irritation. They can remove it. He's going to come back. It'll be fine. Okay. I believe all of it is just at the same time, the fact that it was causing some irritation and you did, you were the first one. I remember you texting me the videos and you kept saying he's walking funny. You kept saying he's walking funny. Yep. And so because of that, um, not that he won't make a full recovery. I will. I do think he will, but just the fact that now he's getting another surgery, he's on crutches again, then he'll get have to get back to walking again. Is the timetable just going to be a little bit tight in terms of pushing himself um, to get back? I, I wonder, but he's the only person that can answer that question. Right. And I hope everything goes well first for the sake of his health. Lee Ving on YouTube says, is the hardware a screw? Was it meant to be removed? I think it was like a plate that that was inserted they they do it there to strengthen the bone yeah but it wasn't supposed to be removed the plan was to just leave it in there and it can make the bone not as strong obviously when you take out that support i know a lot of people are like oh it's routine i've had people message me i've had hardware taken out it was i was removed it was way better i'm not saying this is like a career-ending injury all i'm saying is it wasn't a good sign and you're right vish I didn't think he was walking great. I thought he was walking a little odd and and maybe it's because he was in pain. Yeah. And, and I think leaving, you're asking the question, right. Um, that we can't really answer. The one thing we can't say is like, yeah, it's supposed to be routine. So my understanding basically is that they do this procedure if you need it, but they put the plate in not with the anticipation of removing it, but right. they can remove it and do this procedure if you need it. And it's not considered to be serious or fatal, but they put, I, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but because I'm not obviously going to pretend like I know something about this because I don't, but um, my understanding based on reading some of the more intelligent people talk about this is that you put the plate on the ankle you do the surgery, you hope that that's that and the person recovers, whatever. Now, if the plate's causing irritation, you can do the second surgery, remove it. It's a no, it's not considered to be a big deal, but you're not doing the first surgery with the intention that you're going to do the second one. Exactly. And, you know, what do they always say? What do they say back when he had the initial surgery, right? Trey Lance had successful ankle surgery. Well, now over the weekend, he had to have successful ankle surgery after his first successful ankle surgery. So it makes me nervous. All right. And I'm look, I'm going to be honest. You're talking to a guy. I'm rooting for Trey Lance. I want Trey Lance to get his opportunity to be the starting quarterback. Uh, they have not done right by him. They have never given him anything close to a chance to be the starting quarterback for any stretch of the any stretch of time. Now, some of that's been due to injury. I agree. It's not the 49ers fault that Trey Lance got hurt, but they took a guy that needed swimming lessons and they just threw him into the pool. And not only did they say don't drown, they said you got to carry everybody else too because we got to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm rooting for Trey. I want to see him as the starting quarterback, but all this stuff makes me nervous. It really, really does. Yeah, no, and it, it doesn't make me nervous from the standpoint of like, I think the Niners quarterback situation is screwed because I feel like no matter what, they're kind of in the perfect spot um, given how Purdy is playing. Lance is a little bit of an unknown. Obviously, they're not in the perfect spot. That The perfect spot is that you have a Mahomes or a Herbert or a Burrow or an Allen who you know who's going to be your guy for the next 10 years and you know how good he is. But they're in the perfect spot in terms of they're going to have financially the best yes. quarterback situation in the NFL next year, right? Mm-hmm. If Purdy starts, Lance is the backup. It's still a very cheap quarterback room. If Lance starts, Purdy's the backup. It's still a very cheap quarterback room. And for being a non-quarterback driven team and the way Shanahan has shown he can manage everything, including the quarterback and manage the game and then how good the defense is and the number of players they're going to have to pay and um, coming up and some of the financial decisions they're going to have to make and they're going to have to go through the draft, you know, with less, you know, um, draft capital in the early rounds compared to what they've had in the past, obviously, thanks to the Christian McCaffrey, Trey Lance trades in the next couple in the next draft. 
um, when you add in all of that, um, having a cheap quarterback situation with the cap about to, you know, expand and boom is going to be a massive advantage for them. Yes, 100%. But you got to pay Bosa. And look, that's not a negotiation with Nick Bosa. Right. It's him writing down a number on a sheet of paper and then doing that slide it across the table face down thing. And then the 49ers should just pick it up and say, yes, sir, we'll get you. Would you like hundreds, fifties? What they don't, they don't even sign it. They, right. He sends the paper and Jed York immediately gets on his phone. Nick Bosa <laughs> gets the notification papers signed. Right. Like that's all it should be, but you're going to need that money. So having this young quarterback room is great. One last thing I want to say about Trey Lance is I feel like with this kind of surgery, everyone's glossing over it now. Brock Purdy's in, yada, yada, yada. When people feel safe, it'll be the kind of thing where you look back and be like, Trey was in a lot of pain. That surgery, you know, they really had to go in and clean up a couple things. The first one did not go well. I find I feel like you find out more information about this stuff later on. Like if Trey gets in next season and starts playing really, really well, it'll be one paragraph in the story will be about he really had to battle through adversity in December when he had that surgery. Or if it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out, you'll hear it the same way the other way. Well, he was actually everything they believed they thought they were and they traded (laughs) up for. And they made the pick correct, but it all went south when he hurt his ankle. He just never Mm -hmm. really recovered. The ankle was never right. Um, I mean, we just heard Chris Long. I heard him on a podcast talking about Carson Wentz, and he said his knee was never right, and he forced it to come back, and he was unable to play the right way because his knee wasn't right. And then his knee not being right then led to him having back problems and all of that. And then loss of confidence in his career fell off. So, yep. I'm telling you, there are no inconsequential surgeries. None, 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 none. All right. (laughs) I mean, I think in general, um, when we're talking about injuries, I think people take for granted too much a guy being able to come back, mm-hmm. not only come back um, to where he was physically, but to come back and play the sport of football to where they were. I mean, obviously, so many people do it and they do it and they make it look routine that we kind of come to expect it. But that return from injury and coming back is every bit as superhuman as the feats these NFL players do on the field as well. Yes. And it's it's more normal for us to have injuries, you know, and they're doing it obviously within like a six, seven, eight month time frame too. So yeah, I think we kind of take it for granted at times. I how, totally, yeah. I totally agree with you. I'll never forget being at the Super Bowl in 2012 in New Orleans and I was on Radio Row and Mario Manningham was there and I saw Mario Manningham. And if you remember, he got hurt for the Niners and he right. was on crutches on Radio Row and his leg, he had a huge bandage on his leg. It was huge. And I was literally, I got caught staring at him because it was like, oh yeah, he's hurt. This is what a hurt person looks like. Like he's physically injured. You know, in our heads, it's like, okay, he's hurt. They go away, they disappear. And then when you see them again, they're healthy again. So you never see like the actual effects, the consequences to that. So I was literally staring at him to the point where he looked at me and he gave me like a, what's up? Like, kind of like what's up but kind of like dude you're freaking me out yeah and so i had to like snap out of it but yeah i totally agree we absolutely take it for granted too often and and in the criticism right like for example mike mcglintry to start the year um to me one of the impressive things is that he's progressively it looks like he's moving better like yes he has the ribs but in terms of his lower body like he was recovering from such a serious injury he might not have had his feet fully under him um, to start sure. the year. And then Kittle. Kittle, to me, is the best example of this. How many conversations do we have about him? And then, you know, Shanahan was talking to Greg Papa before the game. By the way, that's a great interview series with him and Papa. Probably the most open he is in any sort of interview setting. And he goes, yeah, no, we had to take it easy with him. He couldn't really practice. We were nervous about, like, tendonitis and stuff like that. And I was like, what? And then it starts to make more sense maybe why – George Kittle wasn't impacting the game at the usual George Kittle level. He was only pretty to very good. Yeah. And now he's set a career high in touchdowns for the yeah. second straight year. He had multiple catches yesterday. Just the first guy just never brings him down ever. Never. Unless, unless he has to like jump for the ball and then he's literally not connected to the ground and then he gets tackled. Other than right. that, he's breaking a tackle. He's picking up three, four, five more yards, if not more. And uh, it's great to see his resurgence has been a welcome welcome boost for this team all right that's going to do it for this edition of the show again please rate review follow the niners nation podcast network smash that subscribe button on youtube 
Press that like button, please, please, please. It makes a big difference for us. We have crushed our download record. Last year, we set a record of downloads for Niners Nation. This year, we more than doubled it. And that is a credit to you, Vish, and every all the other hosts we have here at Niners Nation and also the support of everybody out there. So we are incredibly grateful for that. I hope everybody had a happy and healthy new year. Vish, I'm glad you're back in the States. We can get in a little bit of a playoff rhythm here as we go forward. I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely, absolutely. And it goes without saying, Rob, but you're too humble, so you won't say it. That record doesn't get crushed without one Rob Stats Guerrero. So well, I appreciate it. It's a labor of love, I promise you. This is it's insane that I get paid money to talk about the 49ers, and I will never take it for granted, and I'll never take your support for granted. Last night we had somebody on the instant react say it was their birthday, and they were spending their birthday watching us. That's incredible to me, and that really does mean a lot. So thank you for making us part of your lives and part of your day, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Go Niners, nine in a row. And uh, let's keep it going here as we steamroll into the playoffs.